going on today for the heart and soul of America, and the right side must win. It's time for America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. On America Can We Talk, we talk truth about America and why it matters to you. America Can We Talk starts now. Well, good evening and welcome. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Thanks so very much for tuning in to my show and to tonight's First Five. Every week I can hardly wait till Sunday gets here and I get to have this uh, microphone for two hours and talk with you. And one thing, the main story I want to hit on tonight, it relates to this idea of a deep, the deep state term. And I want to talk about that in just a moment. But first I want to go over the news of what has come to light in just the last week relating to the um, just astonishing uh information that has come out related to the Mueller investigation. And this is the uh, Russia collusion collusion investigation, which the Russian collusion, in case you haven't uh, gotten the news, uh, never happened. But what I want to hit on tonight is something that is just, it was uh, just just astounding news. And I'm just going to plant the seed and then we're going to go through it. And it relates again to what the deep state is. And that is this. It now appears from a combination of information uh, requests made by Chairman Nunes of the House Intelligence Committee to the Department of Justice and to the FBI and to other information that has come to light over the uh, course of this investigation into whether uh, the Trump campaign colluded with the Russians uh, during the 2016 election cycle. It has now come to light that it appears likely, it appears much more than just possible, but likely that the entire Russia collusion narrative was concocted and created out of whole cloth by high-ranking people in the Department of Justice and the FBI through the use of a human source, through the use of a person who actually was used by the FBI to get into and start to question lower-level Trump people, not to find out what was going on, not to find out what was going on, but to create a story, create the scandal, to then give them the green light to go ahead and begin the investigation. This may have been a giant sting. And I'm going to explain why there is now so much very thoughtful, well-informed contemplation, speculation about whether that happened, why people are saying that. And I cannot urge you strongly enough, if if you're thinking, well, okay, now that we know that, you know, everyone has figured out that Trump did not collude with the Russians, you know, they're looking into it for a year and a half and nothing's there, don't give up on this story because this goes to the very deep and profound point that the the importance to America of preserving the rule of law, 
preserving the correct and proper role of the federal law enforcement agencies, the FBI and the Department of Justice. And it goes to larger question of whether we still have a republic in which the American people choose the president, choose the uh, the choose our government and that we are indeed then um, that that's who we get for government, that we don't have some nefarious off the books, high level people in Washington working to undermine the election of the, the people's choice, which was President Trump. And so what has come to light, and again, I would urge you, if you have not ever done this, go to our website or this, if you're watching on Facebook, thank you, hi. And if you're listening on radio, I urge you to go to our website, americachemitalk.org. The great column that did a good job summarizing the story this week uh, was by Kimberly Strassel, who's been on the show a couple times. She's wonderful. She's a Wall Street Journal, brilliant writer. And she wrote about that FBI source as the name of her piece. But what she's getting at is this. The entire Russia collusion narrative got kicked off by a July 2016 EC, electronic communication, between then-CIA Director John Brennan, passed on to then-FBI Director James Comey, saying essentially that there was concern and a need for the FBI. There was concern about the Trump campaign uh, having some interference in the election. And that communication, and they're using this EC term, electronic communication, that EC is what resulted in the FBI initiating their counterintelligence operation against the Trump campaign. This is July of 2016. The FBI is now spying on the Trump campaign, investigating the Trump campaign, and did didn't tell Congress about that, by the way, until March of 2017. But this decision is now the focal point of the questions being sent by Chairman Nunes of the House Intelligence Committee over to the FBI and Department of Justice, which is, what is it? Whose name? Because they've been they've been trying to investigate. Had this whole crazy story get started? Been trying to investigate, and what the House Intelligence Committee has now been asking the FBI is, okay, okay so we now we know there was this electronic communication between Brennan, CIA Director Brennan, and FBI Director Comey. Uh, what is it that prompted it? Why? What information? Why? Did the CIA think that there was uh, some problem with collusion and the Russians because the name of the person that they allegedly were getting information from was redacted? And the, and the House Intelligence Committee won a big battle this week with the, the stonewalling, foot-dragging FBI DOJ to say, no, you have to tell us where you got this information. You have to tell us. And it appears... Some very well-reasoned speculation. It was a plant set up by the FBI from the start. I'm Debbie George S. America Can We Talk. Be right back. Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, 
Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. Do you dream of a better world? One where poverty and hunger are a thing of the past? What if you could make a real difference in the lives of those most in need? The solution to poverty is not handouts, but hope. The freedom and opportunity to use one's talents and resources for good. At Five Talents, we empower the poor to start their own small businesses. Five Talents works in some of the most difficult places in the world. With $85, you can help a new entrepreneur escape from poverty and build a sustainable business that helps her whole family. Can you think of anywhere else your gift can work that effectively? When you walk with Five Talents, you bring opportunity to those most in need. Join us in demonstrating the greatness of American generosity. Visit 5talents.org today to learn about the impact you can make. That's 5talents.org. F-I-V-E talents.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. The right to freedom of speech, to be who you are and to speak your mind, is a foundational American value enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution. And nowhere is that value more important than on America's college campuses. But too often on our campuses, unpopular political opinions or religious beliefs are met with censorship or even violence instead of honest dialogue and discussion. And Texas colleges are no exception. Schools like the University of Texas at Austin, Sam Houston State University, and the University of North Texas all place burdensome restrictions on free speech. That's why the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, fights back against the censors to defend liberty on America's college campuses. Does your college or alma mater uphold our most cherished American value of freedom of speech? Find out by visiting thefire.org and consider lending FIRE your support. Can you hear us now? Can you hear us now? And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Okay, this story is just so big, and I want to talk to you a little bit about why I'm not just I, but many serious, patriotic, well-informed citizens are beginning to be be extremely concerned about the direction and the control 
and the culture within the FBI and the Department of Justice. To be really clear, I looked up, I mean, you might think, well, maybe, you know, uh, they were just, just trying to protect America. And, and, and I know that, that initially that was what the Department of Justice and FBI people were all saying is, we're just concerned. There could be, you know, Russia collusion with America's election. This is terrible. And of course it would be. Of course, if it were true, if there were anything to it. But I want to just... Just first of all, tell you what the um, role of the Department of Justice is. Its in- entire purpose is to enforce the law in the public interest and play a key role in providing protection against criminal activity. And the FBI is designed to protect and defend the United States against terrorists and foreign intelligence threats to uphold and enforce the criminal laws of the U.S. The point is, there is no political role. Not even a minute, tiny, little baby step place for political activity or for actions undertaken by the FBI or the Department of Justice to impact elections. In fact, it is a gross abuse of their power. It is your tax dollars, Republican voters' tax dollars, Democrat voters' tax dollars, American voters' tax dollars that fund these agencies. And there has developed in the eight years under President Obama and maybe even before that, but a growing sense of entitlement within the higher echelons of those agencies to to act as though they're kind of, they're separate from, in fact, they're superior to Congress. That they have the power and the right to tell Congress, we'll let you know when we decide what you can know, and we'll let you know how much you can be told. We decide you don't. And this is when I say this this whole investigation, this entire story about about whether there was collusion with the Russians uh, by the Trump campaign, um, this is, you know, this is, if there had been, it would be a legitimate uh, topic of investigation, uh, subject of investigation. But there has been no evidence after all this time. None. Zero. Zip. Nada. And now what we're finding out is... In the course of watching what's happening in Washington with the House Intelligence Committee and the Senate Intelligence Committee, both trying to look into this this allegation, this claim that there was collusion with the Russians, what they have run into is stonewalling by the FBI, by the Department of Justice. Refusal to turn over documents, refusal to answer questions. They, they hand them over documents, redacting, meaning crossing out, making illegible basic information they need. And before I, I get back to the, the, um, the current and big story this week, which is, did this entire Russia collusion narrative get invented by the deep state players, the people who just could not stand the idea that Donald Trump won this election, this, or was on the path to winning, that he was popular at the time this whole thing began? Did this entire, entire, I don't even like the word narrative because that sounds so almost polite. It was a hoax, a fraud. Did it get started not by, oh, we know it got, it got its legs from Hillary Clinton paying Fusion GPS for uh, Trump opposition research and the FBI using that opposition research, the Russian dossier, to get the FISA warrant to start spying on Trump and his team during the campaign. That enough, that by alone, alone is egregious beyond description. But if the entire thing, the, the impetus 
for the initial counterintelligence investigation by the FBI was a story cooked up in the back rooms of Washington, the deep state back room we know better than everybody else place, then we really have a problem. And so I want to just tell you, one reason people are very, very, very suspicious um, has to do with what has come to light recently when the um, FBI was finally forced um, to turn over information that had they been asked about and asked about and asked about that related to other uh, items they had redacted. And again, redact is like a polite word. Redacted sounds so technical. It means they crossed out so you couldn't see it. Okay, so the redactions in the initial Russian report that came to light and caught earlier this week and just caused so many patriots to be very concerned relate to the fact that the FBI appears in having answered House Intelligence Subpoena Committees and Senate Intelligence Committee subpoenas redacted information that made them look bad. They claimed, they tried to claim they were redacting information so that we wouldn't endanger national security assets, that we were endangering national security secrets. They always have all these, this language they can throw out to Congress, and Congress kind of reels and tries to figure out, do we really, you know, are we right to ask this? Is there something we need to know? What, we, what came to light this week was, or much earlier in the week, was that the things that they had redacted, that they had taken out of information they were turning over, Related to the Department of Justice having tried to hide from Congress that their investigation into Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, a patriot, the original and very, very short, for a very short period of time, uh, going to be the, I think it was the National Security Advisor for um, whatever, I can't remember what his title is going to be, I think National Security Advisor, but he'd been hired, he'd been appointed by the Trump team and was quickly removed and accused by the FBI. He was accused of lying to the FBI. Well, when the, F, when the House and, and Senate Intelligence Committees are looking into this, they, they are trying to get answers. What the FBI did when they turned over documents to Congress is take out the information that showed that their own interrogators concluded that Lieutenant General Michael Flynn did not lie. They're trained. The FBI is trained to determine, to look, watch people's, I don't know what it is, their mannerisms, their, eye, their, their body language, how they move their eyes, their tone of voice, whatever it is they observe. These are trained experts trying to determine people whom they're interrogating, whether they're lying. And the FBI went out of their way to redact, to take out the information Congress saw that, in fact, their own investigator said, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn isn't lying. They concluded he was telling the truth. And he did not, if you uh, did not get charged, by the way, Flynn did not get charged with uh, any kind of collusion with the Russians. He was charged with lying to the FBI. And it was one of those things where we talked about in the show before where, you know, you're asked a question and it was about a conversation when you've had, you know, 75 conversations in the last three weeks and you give a slightly imprecise answer, didn't quite give the answer that, or you weren't exactly right in what you remembered about a particular conversation. But since the FBI had it all on tape, unbeknownst to everyone in America, certainly unbeknownst to Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, he was charged with lying. And because the FBI and the federal government, when they start to come after you and they charge you with a crime, you have to hire lawyers. You, you bankrupt yourself. I mean, the guy was on the edge of bankruptcy and they were threatening his son. So 
he pled guilty, and now he's at the point where his case is now in front of a new judge who I think is going to say, wait a minute, you pled guilty under false pretenses, under a just an entirely concocted, made-up um, charge. And I, so anyway, I, Michael Flynn is just a good example of what the Department of Justice has been doing. But I want to get so that was just one example. And the entire effort of the House Intelligence Committee, Senate Intelligence Committee to get to the bottom of how did this whole Russia collusion, Trump collusion story get started? The FBI and the DOJ are backpedaling. They try blustering and giving speeches saying you can't do this. It's, we have constitutional authority and you can't you can't ask us. And we don't have to tell you. We can hide things. And they finally are getting forced. They're, they're, and, you know, this entire entity, by the way, FBI, Department of Justice, part of the executive branch, is under President Trump. And ultimately, President Trump could order Jeff Sessions, the uh, attorney general who's not doing very much good for us right now, could order that complete cooperation. But I think right now, uh, everything Trump does, he gets pounced on by the media. So he hasn't um, he hasn't uh, made that order. Maybe he will eventually. But, you know. This story, we'll keep covering it in the show. I will come back to it next week. I'm entirely sure we will. But understand the big news of the week is this. that It appears because the FBI's refusal to identify the person, and I, I have read a lot. I think I know who they're talking about, but I guess people are trying not to put it on air. I don't know why. But this entire story of Trump-Russia collusion may have been the result of the FBI, and in particular, the... Um, John Brennan uh, of deciding to make the allegation based on having planted someone as a source going into the Trump campaign, picking off low level people, planting the seed. Don't you think maybe Trump might have had something to do with this Russian email? Oh, you think he did? And then and then that is the basis to run back and say, okay, now we've got the guy and now we can bring uh, we can go after him and start an investigation Simply an outrage, gross abuse of power. We're going to keep talking about it on the show. We get back after the break. I got to change subjects to talk about the wonderful thing will happen in Israel tomorrow. Come right back. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. 
and Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high, to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. Welcome back to America Can We Talk. You know what? If you're just tuning in or if you're watching on Facebook Live for the first time, I'll tell you, my entire reason for doing this show, I, you know, I'm a lawyer by background. I've done a lot of political campaign work and things like that, political activity. But I do this show entirely to to celebrate, to share, to inspire people to recognize the unique, exceptional, extraordinary nature of America and to urge us to be kind of citizens uh, in our generation, our time of defending that idea of America, of of upholding it and recognizing its its importance in the world. And America is a symbol in the world. it is a one, the country that stands up against the bullies of the world. We have the – because of freedom, because of free markets, because we're not socialist, because we have freedom, we have prosperity, we have strength, we have a Judeo-Christian culture. We are – all of those elements that created America have made us, the, a country in the world, able – and, and have historically been willing to speak up and stand up against the bullies of the world, to stand up for what is right, and to, and, to, and to help the world be more stable and peaceful because of our strength. 
And so, and so I talk about America in the show, whether it's tax policy or you know fam- policy related to uh, welfare, to families, to um, border security and refugee and immigration policy. I, I always make the argument that every policy that we talk about in this country should be measured against, will this help us to perpetuate and hold on to the precious, extraordinary nature of America? Or will it somehow denigrate or weaken this country? Well, anyway, I wanted, I wanted to turn to um, a pretty cool story, pretty wonderful story. You know, when President Trump was, um, and you know, uh, when he was running in his uh, campaign in 2016, he spoke very forthrightly about what he stood for, what he wanted to do, what he hoped he could accomplish as president. Um, and he spoke very in a very friendly manner about Israel. And he spoke about many other policies. And he is actually following through on many of the things that he um, said he would do. And I was going to tell you something interesting. I was at a um, some political event last week, and it was funny because during, you know, I, I kind of spend most of my time in political circles one way or another, you know, kind of events and meetings and campaign uh, strategy things. I mean, just that's kind of what I do all the time or a lot of the time. And I was just noticing, listening to this group of women, this pretty large group of women, that there were... Uh, a lot of women just, um, you know, these are well-informed, they pay attention to what's happening to this country, and they are really speaking so, um, it was just an interesting evolution I've noticed in the last year and a half since President Trump was elected, which is women speaking more positively, supportively of the president, lamenting that Congress doesn't seem to help him very much, lamenting that he's been in a year and a half. And these are I'm talking about Republican women, but I mean, these are Republican women who, you know, many of them probably supported some other candidate in the primary last year, but these Republican women are watching this president who's, you know, only legislative accomplishment he could get Congress to pass that was good was the tax bill. I mean, the tax bill was a really good tax cut bill. You know, the spending bill was pretty atrocious. Um, and really, all the major initiatives that President Trump would like to get through, he has not been able to get Congress to help with. And or they've just been unable to come to decision. And, and they have not they just haven't banded together as a party. But what I'm, I'm getting at is people are recognizing that whether you did or did not like Trump during the primary, he's actually um, extraordinarily committed and following through on the things he said he would do. And I, it is making these, I'm saying Republican women who didn't work on his campaign, probably didn't even donate to him, but they're starting to appreciate his leadership. And if there's one, I want to turn now, talk about foreign policy and the need, the world has a need for America's foreign policy to be effective and impactful and and to be the right kind of foreign policy. So turning to Israel, you likely know that tomorrow, which is Monday, May, um, I think it's tomorrow. Is it tomorrow the 14th? Yeah. Tomorrow, the um, United States uh, embassy in Israel will officially be moved to Jerusalem. This is a promise made by numerous past presidents during campaigns, recognizing that in every other country in the world, the country gets to tell us who their, you know, where their capital is, and we honor that by putting our embassy there. But in Israel, we have for decades honored the bullies. We have honored the threats of the, the Palestinians uh, surrounding other unfriendly Islamic sources. We have 
honored the bullies and refused to move the American embassy to Jerusalem. We say we're going to, we're going to think about it, we're going to try to work on a peace solution. But President Trump, you know, this is one of the reasons I think he's growing in popularity. His polling numbers are good. And and I'm telling you, even with women, because he's following through, and it's not just following through on any random promise, but it was a very principled promise to both honor the country of Israel, our ally in the Middle East, honor their choice for where their capital is, which is Jerusalem, and put our embassy where, where we, uh, where they want us to do it. It was also, though, it was kind of a, you know, we're done humoring the bullies of the world. We're not going to just sit back and let the Palestinians, who honestly, they, they attack Israel almost no matter what anyway. And so it's not like somehow we've kept Israel safe from the Palestinians and the surrounding neighbors who aren't very friendly, their, their country's surrounding neighbors, because they, they, they pick on Israel anyway. But what has happened, because President Trump showed leadership, was now other countries are saying, well, you know, we might move our... Uh, we, I know we've been thinking about that too. Maybe we'll do that too. Other countries are. There's even talk about whether Israel is going to choose a section of Jerusalem uh, where the new American embassy is going to be and, and call it Trump Square, which is, that would probably really drive the left nuts. But I just want to commend him, President Trump, and the leadership. You can always, if you're willing to kowtow to the bullies, you could always find a reason to not follow through on doing the right thing and somehow find a reason to say, well, as soon as we accomplish this, as soon as we do this, as soon as this happens, and President Trump is just saying, no, we said we're going to move it, we're going to move it. So this is you know, tomorrow, so Monday, May 14th, the embassy and U.S. embassy will move officially in Israel to Jerusalem. And this is basically the 70-year reunion. May, the month of May, is the 70-70-year reunion of the founding of the modern state of Israel. And uh, it's just a, you know, it's a profound thing to do, a profound thing to stand with Israel. And I just, I read some things over the weekend um, I wanted to share with you. Um, this segment, I mean, we'll probably have to go into the next, after the next break too. But Carolyn Glick, um, if you don't read Carolyn Glick, you're missing something. She's just quite the uh, extraordinary writer. Um, and she is uh, an Israeli citizen. She, I think she grew up in America. And then they, her family, which, who are Jewish, moved to Israel but And when I did my show from Israel, I was uh, blessed to be able to do my show from Jerusalem um, last year, I think it was, in 2017, um, and uh, got her, got to have her on the show, who was just, she's fabulous. But she's been writing about how having uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu in Israel and President Trump in America in power at the same time has been so extraordinarily empowering of right thinking in the world. Uh, She had a piece up called Netanyahu's Finest Hour, and another one she had up, uh, Trump's Iran deal decision was a masterstroke. In fact, I'm going to talk about the Iran deal and some of the things that fall off from that. Again, President Trump just putting aside you know, State Department, um, you know, hand-wringing. And, uh, I mean, he's engaging in diplomacy and talking to various leaders, but he's not letting the ninny hand-wringing, we shouldn't do that, we we probably can't do that, we got to be careful. He's not letting them dictate his foreign policy. He's starting with, and this is not that I ever talked to him, he doesn't call me or anything, I'm just, I'm watching President Trump, as many Americans are, watching them from our 
our you know homes and from our computers. He's deciding, I'm going to stand for what's right. So, you know, we, the Jerusalem embassy, the American embassy belongs in Jerusalem. The Iranian deal was a joke and a hoax. I have way, a lot of news. I can't wait to tell you about the Iranian deal. Um, but within the country of Israel, the message to the Israeli people that we understand that there is a homeland called Israel and it is yours. It is, it is the land of the Jewish people. And that the state of Israel, as I mentioned many times on this show, the state of Israel is the only Western uh, democracy in that part of the world. In Israel, they actually, they have, it is legal to have people of all races and ethnicities and religions, including Muslims, vote. If you're an Israeli citizen, you can vote. And there are Muslim members of the Knesset, their Congress. So that Trump kind of reasserting the place of America in the world as a, we stand up for what's right. We don't just, we don't just backpedal and hand wring and, and worry and fuss and moan. We actually do what's right. Right. He's ended up being a leader, and when other countries see him leading, they follow. So we'll talk about, I want to talk too, we can back about how the Iran deal, uh, you know, backing out of that because the Iranians cheat, um, was a great decision as it goes to Israel and as it relates to Iran. So got to go to another break already. Come right back. Love talking to you. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations, and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out CenterForSecurityPolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's CenterForSecurityPolicy.org. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. America is greatly blessed by the men and women serving in our military who are defending us every day, making our freedom possible. 
Military families also serve, and they face hardships while dads and moms are far from home. Military families endure frequent moves around the country and overseas, requiring them to adjust to new schools and make new friends over and over. They also face anguish while their soldier is deployed overseas, often in harm's way. The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dreams. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and get involved today. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. Can you hear us now? Can you hear us and welcome back to America Can We Talk. Just love talking with you every week. And I also want to be sure to say hello before we finish the first hour. Say to uh, hello, of course, to our listeners in Dallas on 660 AM and to our listeners in Colorado Springs at AM 1460 and FM 101.1 The Answer and in Phoenix at 960 AM The Patriot. Uh, so enjoy talking with you every week. And you can always watch this show on Facebook Live and you can listen to it online. If you go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org and click on Listen Live, if you're at your desk, working in the evening. You can listen to it while you're working. I don't have to be on radio, but I love talking to you every week and um, just so appreciate the opportunity to do that. I also want to thank our sponsor. Uh, this show would not be possible without GC Works, which is a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. Thank you so very much to GC Works for sponsoring this show. Okay, back to what I want to say about America's place in the world. And you know, there are a lot of people who are um, can be critical about uh, America. In fact, they would def- describe our this, these are left wingers who can't who don't appreciate America's unique place in the world. They will criticize America for saying, "Well, you know, who do we think we are as leader of the world, or who do we think we are to be? You know, um, we think we're we have the answers, or who are we to be to leading the charge against the bullies of the world?" America has the most extraordinary history, relatively short, as compared with you know, many, many countries in the world. You know, we've only been around since, you know, I'll, I'll count the beginning of 1776, but you know, when we said, we kind of said in the Declaration of Independence who we are, this is who we are. We are a country founded on ideas, the ideas of, you know, the idea that each individual has, has worth and value and rights 
from our creator simply because we were born. We founded a society dedicated to protecting individual liberty and all the various elements that went into the founding of America got us to where we are in the world today. It doesn't mean we think we're better than everybody else. We don't think our, you know, that just uh, that anything about skin color, race, or ethnicity has anything to do with the idea of America. But America has a rich history of standing up for liberty, standing against tyranny, helping the oppressed, helping to stand up against the bullies of the world. And this history has blessed people all over the world. We are appreciated and our troops are appreciated all over the world. And it's only the left-wing mentality. I want to keep getting back at the left. Last week I did a long kind of thing about what leftism is. But leftism is always about the, the starting point is government has all the power and they'll decide for you what your rights are and how much, how much money you can earn and how much freedom you should have. Leftism is always based on the power of government to control you. Conservatism, or and frankly, America is based on the exactly the opposite idea: the idea that individuals have rights, and the country, the government exists to protect the right of individual people to live in freedom. So, back to our foreign policy. You know, I, I just the idea that President Trump is not going along with all the, uh, you know, State Department uh, hand wringing ninniness, and instead is saying, you know what, we're going to move our embassy. The other thing that President Trump did, and I want to talk about how it impacts the world. What President Trump did this past week when he said, we are actually going to withdraw from the Iranian deal. And that withdrawal from the Iranian deal, uh, you know, was preceded by a speech by Israel's prime minister, Netanyahu, where he he let the world know that Mossad, their super secret spy agency, had gone into Iran and had removed half a million ton of documents that prove that Iran has been lying all along. They were developing nuclear weapons, even though they said they weren't. But what I want to get at, and again, this was in a Carolyn Glick column. She's so good. She's such an insightful person, but she was talking about the difference in having a leader like President Trump versus a leader like President Obama in dealing with a country like Iran. So I want to just point out one thing that she was saying um, about uh, the way that the whole challenge that Iran faces, uh, you know, presents to the world was presented, was handled by the Obama era left wing, big government, you know, doesn't respect the uniqueness of America kind of thinking versus the Trump approach. So we had the negotiations in 2015. There was negotiations with the five members of the Security Council of the UN, the five countries plus Germany. So it's USA, our country, uh, the other UN security countries plus Germany, uh, negotiating uh, with Iran. And they came to the negotiating table because really strict sanctions had driven the Iranians to the point that they did not have, um, they, they really were hurting, that people were hurting, the country was hurting, they couldn't f- function under the sanctions. But what President Obama presented to America, and first of the Iranian deal, as we talked about last week, as I've talked about the show many times, was a horrible deal, a horrible deal. In fact, um, you know, uh, the uh, Krauthammer had the American uh, pundit who's a very insightful Fox News panelist. He said at one time, the most astonishing thing about the Iranian deal that is in return for everything we're doing, we're dropping the sanctions, we're sending them billions. They, Iran, are not closing a single, single 
nuclear facility. Their entire nuclear infrastructure is intact. They're going to have the entire infrastructure in place either for a breakout after the agreement expires or when they have enough sanctions relief and they want to cheat and break out on their own. The point was the the deal was a just a disaster of a of a non-deal. But the great kind of political point about America, when Obama was negotiating the Iranian deal, what he told what his entire messaging to America was you either have the only way to um uh, you know, to deal with Iran, given that where everyone in the world is concerned, they're developing nuclear weapons. They are they are the world's number one terror exporting country. They're dangerous. They're they have they have hegemonic goals. They want to control that part of the world. He talked about the only way to prevent Iran. This is President Obama's version of the world. Was there are two paths? One is to force regime change, and the other one was to um, destroy the nuclear weapons. Um, I'm sorry, I'm saying this backwards. The way this is what Obama, I'm sorry, what Obama said was, excuse me, that the only option was either all out war that we'd have to attack. You know, we'd have to attack Iran be, uh, to stop this um, um, or we would have to have uh, cut a deal, cut the deal that he wanted to have. Obama was trying to tell America it's either all out war or you got to take this deal. There's no other two choices, all out war or take this deal. And what Carolyn Glick was saying, actually, you know, that was not true. You know, the two options are to force regime change, which will eventually happen because the protesters there want it, um, or to destroy through a covert, you know, and Israel would probably do this, but, you know, destroy Iran's nuclear installations and assets through limited covert and overt strikes. She Carolyn Glick is making the same, taking the same approach that President Trump is. But what happened, the world got sold by President Obama into thinking we had to take this stupid, idiotic, pointless, no inspections permitted of the most likely places where the Iran would, hold, would hide their nuclear weapons development program, that the world had to take that deal because the only other choice was war. In fact, Obama was mocking People who opposed the uh, Iranian deal calling them, oh, you're just warmongers. You just want to go in and and fight. And no, they didn't. But they didn't want a stupid deal. So what Carolyn Glick is saying, what I'm saying, what Trump is saying is that by removing America from the Iranian deal, we're back on to having paths available to us which are better for America, better for the world, which are we eventually have to bring, bring about regime change. We can't, I mean, the Amullahs, their people don't even want them. I'm not advocating boots on the ground, not advocating war. I'm saying that we have to bring, out, bring about regime change um, over there through, our, um, through sanctions and through helping the protesters in Iran, supporting them. But the, it's just a, President Trump has just offered America and the world a refreshing new way to get after Iran without a ridiculous deal that does not protect anyone. It doesn't even prevent, as Krauthammer was saying, doesn't even protect, they didn't even close their nuclear facilities. We made a deal. We gave them everything they wanted. They didn't, they didn't stop anything. We can't, the inspection procedures we had in place didn't let them, us get to the most important military installations in the country where they're going to be doing, if they're going to doing nuclear development, they're going to be doing them there. It was just, it was a complete, it was a ridiculous, ridiculous deal. 
And so Trump just said, you know, we're not going to play that game anymore. We're not going to pretend. We're not going to always say, oh, the emperor, yeah, he's got great clothes. <laughs> he said it was kind of an emperor has no, uh, no clothes moment when Trump said the Iranian deal is a bad deal and we're getting out of it. But the thing that's happened this week, which is so interesting, and again, the bad faith of the Iranian um, government, the mullahs who kind of run everything and their their quasi-secular government, um, the Iranian regime, in fact, I will tell you the guys, okay, an advisor to H.J. Ansari Zarif, who is the Iranian deputy for parliamentary and Iranian affairs within Iran's Ministry of Foreign Affairs, specifically threatened that if the Europeans withdraw from this deal, because Iran does a lot of trading with Europe, if the Europeans withdraw from this deal, the Iranians threatened to expose every corrupt official who accepted bribes to make the Iran deal happen three years ago. Here, and so a, a reporter, a Middle East reporter for Jerusalem Post, put out this threat in a tweet, and the, his tweet says, if Europeans stop trading with Iran... And if they don't pressure on the U.S., then we will reveal which Western politicians and how much money they received during nuclear negotiations to make the Iran deal happen. Okay, just that, that's just I mean, I mean, it's a great thing to recognize that's how they think. But first of all, bring it on. I hope they do. Let the world know who took bribes, which is essentially what that was, what Western officials made money by entering this ridiculous Iranian deal, but also what this this official of Iran is saying, when he's saying we're threatening, and this is not like some goofball in the street. This is a guy who's within Iran's Ministry of Foreign Affairs. He's the deputy for parliamentary and Iranian affairs. What he's saying is, yeah, the whole thing was a hoax. We just we just gave a bunch of money to some Western diplomats, and they let us keep our nuclear uh, weapon development potential. And uh, plus, we got a bunch of money in, and this is the deal we had. And we're threatening anybody who won't let us keep all the money we got from the deal. Trump led. Trump did a great job in getting out of the Iranian deal. It was a great thing. Okay, got to go off to break here, folks. Coming back, I have a great, great cruise to the news, including, of course, Mother's Day. Be right back. Oh, 